we're roaming around with driver's permits as opposed to having a license for our own sexuality. And we're sitting in the passenger seat and then we're upset if they're driving in the wrong direction. Welcome to Sex, Body and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Dr. Sonia Wright is a board-certified radiologist, a sexual counselor, and a life coach. She received her education from Stanford University, San Francisco School of Medicine, the Mayo Clinic, and the University of Michigan. She is on a mission to help women embrace their sexuality, as well as end the emotional pain and isolation associated with sexual difficulties. She believes that all women deserve to experience pleasurable sexual intimacy. She can certainly teach us all to be our own best lovers without any shame. So, Dr. Sonia, how are you this morning? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? I am doing good. I just got back from a trip to New York, my first trip in 18 months. (laughs) So happy to be here and talking to your beautiful self. (laughs) Well, I'm happy that we are talking and congratulations on getting out and seeing the world. I bet it felt a little surreal. It did, but it's, it's amazing how much more energy there is in person than on Zoom. So, Sonia, I've gotten to know you recently, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on the show. And first of all, you're a a sexologist, which in itself is absolutely fascinating. But you're also a radiologist. So let's start by finding out what on earth is a radiologist's journey to becoming a sexologist? (laughs) I always laugh at this question. I mean, it's the best question, right? How does somebody go from being an x-ray doctor to being a sex coach, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so for me, my journey uh, into this realm, it started uh, with my journey into like the second half of my life just in general, right? Around the time that I was like 47, 48, I was thinking the second half of my life is coming up and what do I want to do? How do I want to contribute? And obviously I was still contributing as a radiologist, as a doctor, and and I found that satisfying, but I wanted to do something else. And so I started, uh, I had been working with a life coach and I thought I would like to provide life coaching services. And that was kind of like my first foray into it. So I started doing life coaching and I enjoyed that quite a, a bit. I was doing life coaching for physicians and for other women um, that just found out about me. And so that's what I was initially doing. And at the same time, I was on this journey to become like the best life coach that I could. I was dealing with my own issues around sex and sexuality and not necessarily having intimacy within my relationship. And so at that point, it had been going on for a number of years. I had been kind of pushing it to the side and kind of hoping it would get better on its own. And I got to the realization that it was not necessarily going to happen on its own. I was going to need to get some help. So I went and uh, worked with a professional. Unfortunately, I waited too long and the relationship didn't last. But I didn't want to bring whatever issues I had around sex and sexuality into another relationship And so I continued to work with uh, a professional and I got to this point where I was owning my sexuality. And then I realized, you know, I'm probably not the only woman that's dealing with this. We don't talk about it, right? It's kind of like this silent shame that nobody talks about. Mm. And I thought, since I'm already a life coach and I'm used to having the difficult conversations, I think I could have difficult conversations around sex 
and sexuality and, and whatever issues may be going on for, for other people. And I didn't want any other woman to suffer the way I had. And I felt mm. that if I could help and if I could help in some way save relationships, then that would have been worth it all. And so I went back and I got training as a sexual counselor. And then I combined that with my life coaching skills. And then I became the midlife sex coach for women. Now, talking of midlife, that's fascinating, by the way. But talking of midlife, I can't tell you the amount of girlfriends who come to me and say, oh, comes that time at night with my husband and all I want to do is have a cup of tea and go to bed or a cocktail. That must be so common in your line of work. And what do you do? Where do you start? Does it come back? It, it does come back. It does come back. Sometimes there's this ebb and flow in life and that's okay. But we get to choose that we can make a decision to do something about it. And I think that we have this concept that sex should be easy, like we should be ready to go, it should be spontaneous, and if it doesn't happen that way, then something has gone wrong, something's broken, and that it can't be fixed. And this is like the new level of normal, and we just have to get used to this new level of normal. And it just kind of fades away into the sunset or something like that. But it doesn't have to. Like, I could tell you that... Um, at 55, I'm having the best sex of my life. So I can guarantee you 100% that, yes, it can get better, but we do have to make a decision to work at it. And, and yeah. what is that decision that we have to make? That sometimes it's not going to be easy, right? We want it to be easy, but sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it does require us to focus on an issue, to figure out what's going on, to do the work. I'm a life coach, so it's a lot of it is going to be the mind work because your biggest sexual organ is your mind. So we have to get that mm. back in tune. We have to mm. get an understanding of our why, why we want to do this. And then we also have to get an understanding of, of what is it that makes us more interested in sex and sexuality and what makes us less interested in it. And then focus on what makes us more interested and then head in that direction. Mm. So let's take a step back for a second. I remember growing up with my Roman Catholic mother, and she drummed into me at every available moment the shame it would bring on the family if I was to get pregnant. And she was also a very strong woman. So she was also teaching me at the same time to be independent and not need a man. And, you know, I'm going to conquer the world, which you know, she very much influenced me in that way. But at the same time, she made me feel very early on a lot of shame. So sex and shame was my first experience, really. So you talk a lot about permission and giving girls and women permission. Talk to us about that a little bit and, and how parents do influence yeah. boys and girls. Yeah, let's let's look at that. So there's a number of different aspects of this. Let's start. You gave an example as your mother, right? And in your mind, she gave you this thought that sex is tied with shame. You know, there's this concern that you might get pregnant. There's sexually transmitted diseases. There's things that when we start learning about sex and sexuality as young individuals, it's tied to these concepts around watch out, you might ruin your reputation, especially for girls. Watch out, you might get pregnant. You could get a sexually transmitted disease. So when we're just starting to realize that we are sexual beings, is at the same time that all these warnings are coming on, right? And so unfortunately, often thoughts about sex and sexuality get tied into shame. And your mother is just trying to protect you. 
She mm-hmm. understood the rules of our society. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she was trying to protect you. So a lot of the stuff that we have around shame and, and things like that with sex, it came from a good place. It came from a place of people trying to protect us and keep us safe. But unfortunately, it's hard to make that shift, right? To like go from thinking sex is shameful and then suddenly think that sex is wonderful. So you're right, it is about permission. And this is where the thoughts come in, right? So the work that we have to do a lot of times when we're coming from this place of thinking that sex is shameful is to work on the allowing, right? Mm -hmm. Or look Mm -hmm. at the goal that we want. If we want a healthy sex life, at some point in there, we have to go through this transformation and there will have to be a level of, giving yourself permission, allowing Mm -hmm. yourself. And sometimes it's hard to make that leap. It's hard to give yourself permission. And I suggest very lovingly that maybe approach it from a place of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I find that approaching things from just looking at the situation, Mm -hmm. kind of evaluating things. What would it be like if sex were, were natural for me and comfortable for me? How would I be if I were able to claim myself as a sexual being? Right. So these are the kind of questions that we can ask ourselves. And and then you mentioned like children, sons, daughters, like the exploration of our sexuality and getting comfortable with our sexuality is a gift to the next generation. Mm, because mm. when we get comfortable with our sexuality, they will they will model what they see. Mm. And if they see that mom or dad or whomever is comfortable with their sexuality, then they don't think that there's something wrong with it. And it just becomes just a normal part of who they are. So let's talk about that for a second, because, uh, and let's talk about boys versus girls. Now, if you're a boy and you're 16 and you're, you know, out and about, or let's say 18 and you're out and about and you're having all these girls, like you're considered a stud. You're a girl. You know, again, it's been drummed into us. Don't give it up. You know, sex is wrong. Be with one person. What's happened to our society where we're judged and boys are elevated? Yeah, unfortunately, there's such a dichotomy. It's like a separation, right? Like girls are doing the same actions that boys are doing. They're punished for it. They're judged for it. And Mm -hmm. and boys are not. And neither situation is healthy or good, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's such an emphasis on sex and sexuality for men and to, to the point where Men are not necessarily allowed to feel and have their emotions. They get to Mm. a certain age from young boys to young men. And then their emotions are shut off to the point that it's okay for them to be sexual, but not necessarily to express their emotions in any other way. So the focus for them becomes on sex and sexuality because that's the way they can get their connection, right? And that's the way society says you can connect with another individual. And so Mm. they're not growing up healthy either because there's just this focus on the only way you can get your emotional needs met is through sex, right? And Mm. so they're having this unhealthy obsession about sex and sexuality, and they're not necessarily just able to incorporate that. It's just a normal part of themselves. It becomes overemphasized, right? Mm. And so Mm. if they're having stress or having problems in their life, or they're not having an erection when they're an adult, then suddenly their identity as a man is really, it's not about who they are as a human being. It's about, can you get an erection, right? So this focus that we have so much on men and sex is is damaging to them as well, because then they feel less than human if they're having some sexual difficulties, right? And then Mm -hmm. on the other side, with young girls and with women, we're not allowed to explore our sexuality in a healthy way from Mm -hmm. a younger age, 
we're not given that permission by society. Like if you're lucky enough to have somebody in your life that says, this is a normal, natural process and go ahead and explore your sexuality. But what normally happens is we don't know our anatomy. We have no idea about our vulva. We don't know about our pleasure zones. We don't have an understanding of how our body works. And Mm -hmm. then we are taking the responsibility for our sex and sexuality that should be ours, and we're handing it off to our partners. And we're expecting our partners to know and understand everything about us. And so I like to say that we're roaming around with driver's permits as opposed to having a license for our own sexuality. And we're sitting in the passenger seat and then we're upset if they're driving in the wrong direction. We're upset if our partners don't know how to give us pleasure, but we have not given ourselves that chance to explore our bodies and to understand our sexuality and to Mm. know what we want and we need. And we're expecting them to have the key to, to figure it out for us. That's a lot of responsibility to put on anyone. And and so it really is about ourselves exploring our bodies, understanding our vulva, mm-hmm. exploring our sexuality, understanding what turns us on, what how we can enjoy things, giving ourselves permission and enjoying and being responsible for our own pleasure so that when we do choose to share and to honor somebody else and to put that together and have sexual intimacy, that we're coming from a place where we understand our wants and needs and we're just able to share and enjoy ourselves. So I love all of this. And I think with the understanding of vaginas, understanding our vulva, understanding where our clitoris is and where our pleasure zones are is key. However, when you are on your own journey with your partners, let's say as a young girl, you don't have the confidence to be able to tell your partner what you like because you feel and I, I don't know whether this is a thing, but this is certainly what I went through. You feel like your job is to please the man and to please the man only. So you almost cut off in your head what brings you pleasure because you're putting the emphasis on your partner. In my case, a man, but it could be any partner. What recommendations would you give that young girl who in her mind is, you know, feels like she's going to lose the man? if she doesn't focus on his pleasure? There's so many ways to go with this. The first one being, if you're going to lose the man because you're not focusing on his pleasure, then that's probably not the man that you want because this is just an individual that's so focused on on their pleasure. You want somebody where it's um, a reciprocal type of situation where you're there for each other because you want to be in each other's company. But getting back to what we were talking about, this The concept that we are here to serve another and we are here for the pleasure of another person, that is also rules and ideas that have come from society. And I put this under the category of myths surrounding women's sexuality, the myth that you are here to please your partner or Mm -hmm. you're responsible for your partner's sexuality and, and pleasure. Neither one. You are not responsible for your partner. Your partner is not responsible for your pleasure, vice versa. You are responsible for your own pleasure. So when we are in this situation where uh, we are teaching girls and, and young women and, and adult women, really, that we are here for the pleasure of somebody else, we have been trained that we are sexual objects and not specifically the subject of our sexuality. We're not the one that um, does mm-hmm. the acts and is involved in mm-hmm. it. We're the one that is just supposed to be the recipient kind of of the action or, or be there to make sure that somebody else's pleasure is there. We need to shift these myths. We need to give women and girls idea that 
this pleasure is for them. And also recognize, help the partner to recognize that their pleasure is for them and their responsibility. And then you come together and you both are in a different place where you're focused on taking responsibility for your own pleasure, uh, but enjoying each other's company and time and sexual intimacy. But Mm -hmm. when we are focused that we have to do something for somebody else, then we get to this place where eventually we feel resentful. We're not necessarily getting the pleasure that we want out of the situation. And then sex and sexual intimacy becomes a duty. And this is what we're seeing so much for women is like, ah, I got to take care of this again tonight, right? But if you're coming from a place of duty, then that's what your thought is. But if you're coming from a place of pleasure for yourself, then you're like, ooh, I get to do this tonight. How yeah. you do right? So yeah. it's a different perspective <laughs> and it's time for the shift to happen. So let's talk about pop culture and pop culture's role in our sexuality over the ages and, and now. First of all, when I think about a sexologist, my mind goes to Barbara Streisand and Meet the Fockers, who was a hilarious character. My second thought goes to, I'm going to go to a sexologist and she's going to make me open my legs, touch myself, and it scares the living daylights out of me, right? Doing something like that. So um, first of all, you as a sexologist, like what do you do? Somebody books an appointment with you, which we're going to do. We're going to give access to our customers at the body agency to be able to book you and have a consultation with you. What are they going to expect? Are you getting anything out? (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing that we're going to do is something that I call establish your zone of sexual safety. When you come to me and, and I should say that each sex coach does things their own way. And, you know, so for me, I'm the sex coach that wants to make sure that you're comfortable. And I think most sex coaches want to make sure that you're comfortable. But for me, it's important. I know we're going to be having these conversations and some of these conversations are not easy. I tend to put some humor in there and Mm -hmm. I tend to focus on relaxing my client and talking with them and just finding out, out where they are, taking it step by step. I think that that's so important. And to kind of create this environment where they have the permission to explore. Yeah, we're not going straight down to your vulva and start, you know, whacking away at it or anything like that, because really it's about the mind. We need to start there, right? I mean, when you say like, my worry is that I'm going to go see a a sex coach and the first thing she's going to do is like, have me do some woo-woo thing and start masturbating in front of her. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, that's not going to happen. But I like the fact that you said, I'm afraid, because that tells me there are thoughts that you have in your mind about doing this work or somebody else would have in their mind about doing this work, right? And that's where we start. We start with the thoughts. What are your thoughts about sex and sexuality? What are your thoughts about you being a sexual being? Let's just start at what your situation looks like right now. But for me, it's the focus is on the comfort level getting you to a place where you feel comfortable talking to me. And then I think because I have this, uh, the ability to combine the life coaching with the sex coaching, with the medicine, so I have an understanding of what other physiological processes may be going on as well and can refer people to to other services if that's necessary. And, And that's kind of my approach. And then, yes, I have worked in a sex toy store, so I kind of bring that in too. So like I can come from any angle. Uh, It's like getting four different professionals all in one and let's see what we can do and get this accomplished. But it will always be coming from a loving, kind perspective and non-judgment. That's something that's so important is to, you know, not, I, I honestly have not 
heard anything that would shock me. I've not heard, you know, you can chat, I, you know, I challenge you <laughs> to come oh, and talk to me and try and shock me. I will. Me. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, oh, so many questions, so little time. Sonia, you worked in a sex shop. Okay. I love you for that. However, a lot of people are intimidated about walking into a sex shop and, and buying a toy, let's say. Yes. And I am a big believer in toys. I'd love to hear how you feel about that. I think every woman in the world needs to own a toy and really own it and use it, even if it's during their own sexual activities with their partner or on their own. So let's talk about toys. First of all, what was the uh, number one seller that you had in your store? What did people uh, walk out yeah. with the most? What would they walk out? The well, I think it actually is like little vibrators, you know, just yeah. introductory vibrators that didn't look like they were very intimidating, not like uh, like a huge thing this size, but like maybe a little <laughs> bullet vibrator or a little, because they tend to be less expensive and it's a good place to start, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's so many different toys out there and they're so wonderful, so much fun. There's so much fun to be had. And so mm. I definitely encourage toys. And I hear you when... Um, when you say that it, it's sometimes difficult for women to go into a sex toy store, right? Mm -hmm. We had this constant in our mind as of a sex toy store as kind of a seedy place, you know, mm -hmm. maybe a strip mm -hmm. mall in the yep. side of town that you don't want to go to. <laughs> You're worried yeah. that if you go there, you, there's going to be some weird person like masturbating in a corner, like somebody's <laughs> going to try and, and harass you or something like that. And, and there, those places may exist, but the majority of um, sex toy stores are classy places nowadays because mm -hmm. they recognize mm -hmm. that comfort level is so important, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, just go online and check them out if you want to go in person uh, into a sex toy store. Usually you can get a sense of what the store is like just by that. But also there's so many online toy stores now mm -hmm. and so many ways to get access to toy stores. I do believe in some ways... Um, to have some like some reviews or something, some way that somebody is like showing you the toy just so you have a sense and recognize that sometimes it may not be the toy for you and you won't know it until you get it, right? Right. So right. because like I some people tease me because they say I do vibrator beatbox, but like you could have a toy that's kind of buzzy, like zzz, and that works for some people. But then there's some people that need the thuddy type of thing. Silence. Like, thum, 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 yeah. thum, 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 Oh, some oh, people need it faster, okay. you know. Yeah. Like, so there's all different types of vibrational speeds and patterns and such. Some people like, right? So, wow, right? So there's all different ways. And you don't know until you try them out, right? Some people love clitoral stimulators. There's all different types of toys out there. And so it's okay to invest in these toys and to recognize that there may be some toys that you like and some toys you don't like, and that is okay. But it's well yeah. worth the price. It's well worth the investment. And it gives you options and it helps you to understand your body and your pleasure zones. And there's so many different toys out there that it's just wonderful. Wonderful. Well, personally, I want no noise. In fact, if the dog barks, I'm like, oh, got to start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, just saying. Let's get back to pop culture. Yes. Porn or no porn? That is up to the individual. You know, mm -hmm. I am not here to tell you one way or another. For some people, it may trigger overuse. 
And you may mm-hmm. find that you're watching it all the time and not engaging with individuals and not actually having an actual sex, like a physical sex life. You may be on, you know, so you need to decide if that's for you. Um, if you're concerned about if there's exploitation going on and you, then there's, there's ethical porn out there. There's different sites that where you know that the sex workers are being paid a decent wage, that they actually want to do this work. They're not being forced into this work. So you can focus on ethical porn sites if that's something that is concerning to you. If it's something that turns you on, some people are more visual and they look and it turns them on and they like it and it helps them, then go for it. If it's something that you're not interested in, then don't engage in it, right? Um, so I didn't, I'm not the person that's to tell you yes or no. It's not an all yes or an all no. It's up to the individual to get a sense of if it works for them or if it's going to cause some problems. Having said that, there are some things um, in the standard porn industry that we need to be aware of. And that might be that some ways that they have a view of women and women's sexuality in a certain way, which streamlines it and stereotypes it and makes it more so for the pleasure of the man. And so that's something to take into consideration. And then vulvas tend to look the same. There may be vulvoplasty going on, like plastic surgery of the vulva, which makes some women feel like their vulva is abnormal because all the vulvas that they're seeing in pornography looks nice and neat and trimmed and just perfectly tucked in, right? So recognize that. And because there's so much access to pornography, people that are looking at a lot of the pornography, especially young people that are looking at a lot of pornography may have a sense and idea that this is the way women like to be treated, which may or may not be that case and recognize that it's uh, sexuality and what turns somebody on is an individual thing. And it's not specifically based on what we're seeing on pornography. If we recognize that this is fantasy, that this is fiction, that this is not necessarily real, and this is just a a tool to turn a person on or to get engaged and recognize Mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily the way women want to be treated. And if you just see that, that it's not reality, that it it is basically actors doing a role, just like if you're watching a movie, you know, with um, superheroes or something, that's not necessarily real. It's not necessarily real with pornography and in all instances and and to to view it through a filter i think that would be the best mm, thing if you if mm. we can get a responsible filter in place and recognize that that's not necessarily um what sex is between individuals it does not necessarily always look like that and it's mm. not like wham bam mm. thank you ma'am type of stuff that's going oh. on that there's so much more yeah that does not do it for me um 50 shades of gray we do need to talk about that it was wildly popular, both the book and the film. Why was that? I mean, it was essentially a, a, a young girl being overpowered by a powerful man and getting beaten up. What, yeah, what well, ex- that's, yeah. So it tapped into our fantasies. It tapped into a lot of people's fantasies, right? So in some ways, yeah, if we look at the situation, there was not a lot of consent discussions going. There was no consent discussions going on with it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to actually engage in BDSM, there's a lot of discussion that goes on beforehand. There mm-hmm. has to be consent, a willingness, and agreement to engage in these type of activities, mm-hmm. right? But we can just look at it and see that it tapped into something in people's minds and a fantasy. And, and your fantasies and reality are two different things. And it's okay when we have our fantasies to make them whatever way that we want to make them, right? My mm-hmm. concern um, about that book is, is really the issue of consent 
and the fact that there should be discussions going on and that didn't necessarily get a full uh, understanding of what a dom is and the responsibilities of being a, a dom and a sub and the recognition that the sub is actually the person that is in control of the situation because they're the individual that is mm-hmm. setting out the boundaries and and then the dom has their own boundaries too but so once again we're seeing a fictionalized fantasy type of thing which is fine but we also need to recognize that if you're going to engage in that type of activity there needs to be consent there needs to be discussions there needs mm-hmm. to be a focus on safety you know all these things be that occur ahead of the actual activity and and so we're not necessarily seeing a true depiction of this type of uh, relationship that we normally see. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So when you help couples or individuals, do you bring in both partners? Yeah, that's the most of the work that I do is is with the women. I will like the women is like my primary client because I'm the midlife sex coach for women, right? Um, mm-hmm. But um, then there are sessions where I will bring in the partner if they request it, you know, and then we will work together. And and when I have the woman and the man, or the woman and her partner, man, male, female, non-binary, whomever, then I shift my focus to the relationship being my client. Mm-hmm. And and that's when we like have a discussion as to what is going to benefit the relationship and how can we bring this together. Um, but mainly I, I work with women. That that's my main area of focus. But mm-hmm. I and private clients I do work with anybody, but they do tend to be women that come to me. Mm-hmm. And and of midlife. Um, actually, I, like I am technically the midlife sex coach for women, but my the age range of my clients right now are from twenty three to seventy four. So. <laughs> That's a pretty wide span, right? But I do tend to um, have more women, I would say, in the 40s and older. Yeah. So you you mentioned 70s. So what's happening late in your late life? Is everyone still having sex? You know, we need to define what sex is, right? Because when we go through different stages, our bodies are changing and things happen over time. It may be the case they're still having penetrative sex or it may be the case they're not necessarily having penetrative sex. And so Mm -hmm. when I talk about sex or sexual intimacy, I really like to introduce the concept that it's not just penetrative sex. It's Mm -hmm. so much more than that. And so, yes, people are still engaging in sexual intimacy. They may or may not be engaging in the penetrative aspect of sex. And this concept that we are sexual beings throughout our lifespan, it's not something that, you know, ends in our 50s and we're done with Mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. We may have Mm -hmm. to work at it because, honestly, when women go through menopause, our hormones shift, they decrease. And then uh, the lack of androgens and estrogen to the vulva region may result and usually does in some form of atrophy. And so we do need to, uh, of our vulva region, right? And so mm. the um, vaginal vault can, the circumference can get smaller and it can get, yeah. it can shorten, right? Yeah. Um, there's dryness there. It can lead mm-hmm. to pain and it could have increased infections and things like that. So we do need to focus on vulva health. This becomes something yeah. that's very important as we get older. And there's many things that you can do. You can check in with your gynecologist about that in terms of um, hormone replacements, which could be local 
just to the vaginal area, to the vulva region or versus systemic, but that's something you can check in with your doctor. But just this understanding that as we get older, our sex and sexuality does not have to end. While we are dealing with issues on our side in terms of atrophy of the vulva and the vagina, our partners, if they're male, if they happen to be male, then they may be having erection difficulties and there may be, um, there's different things that can be done for them as well. But it doesn't really matter if there's penetration. That mm. does not define sexual intimacy. Mm. And I, mm. this is something to be very clear that sexual intimacy is so much more than just penis and vagina sex. It's so much mm. more than that. And we get to define sexual intimacy any way we want to so that we can have a wonderful, amazing, healthy sex life. I just, um, on my podcast, I just interviewed my 74-year-old client, Didi. And honestly, she has an amazing sex life. It, it, it puts my sex life to shame. You know, so, wow. You know, she's, Go DD. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and she came to me from a place where she had not had sexual intimacy in five years. And now um, she's on board and she's having a great time. Well, that leads me to tap into the, the menopause situation a little bit with you. And vaginismus apparently affects about 50 million women in the US alone, where you physically cannot accept the penis and it, and it's so dry. What are some of the things that women can do if they are suffering from vaginismus? There's this wonderful show, Unorthodox, which shows a case of an Orthodox Jewish girl on, you know, her first year in her arranged marriage, not being able to actually have penetration. But it's so common. And that show did did highlight the issue where religion can also play a big part in it. What's your experience of this and what can we do as women? Yeah. So vaginismus is basically a spasming of the pelvic floor muscles. It can mm -hmm. be associated with menopause, but not necessarily. It's, it, it's something that can be experienced by all women and um, something that's experienced by a, a number of young women. And in the situation that you're mentioning where um, they get married and then... Um, they have this spasming of the pelvic floor muscles, and so they cannot have penetration. And it could be accompanied with pain, and usually it is. And so that's kind of like a negative feedback loop where then you definitely don't want to engage in sex, right? And so um, what do we do about this, right? So mm -hmm. in terms of vaginismus, there are actually pelvic floor physical therapists that can work with you to help this. So the process requires dilation, Mm -hmm. uh, which is these little um, tubes of different sizes from a really small size up to a larger size that is inserted into the vagina over an extended period of time and to help the vagina get used to the feeling of having something inside and learn to relax the pelvic floor musculature. There could be like muscle spasms and tightness that also needs to be kind of worked out and the physical therapist can help you with that. Um, mm -hmm. I work with people that have vaginismus and I work with the mind issues that are going on when they have to go through the dilation process and then what is in their mind um, when they're engaging in sex and they become so fearful that there's going to be pain, that your, their partner is going to want to penetrate them. And then this, this feedback loop just gets, it makes the situation worse and worse. So there's like there's working with the client to help them as they go through the process of the dilation two or three mm -hmm. times a week. And what are the thoughts that come up for them? What are their fears kind of processing and talking it through? And then also um, getting them to the stage where they are working with their partner 
and starting to introduce penetrative sex again. But once again, this is where sexual intimacy becomes important and recognize that it's not all about penetrative sex. That even if you get to that place where you're having penetrative sex, if you've lost the sexual intimacy along the way, that needs mm. to be reintroduced. The touch needs to be there. The connection, mm. the trust needs to be there. Those things need to, to be there and working together. So it's not just like, a woman off on her own dealing with her vaginismus. And then when she's ready, let's go for it, right? So there's so many different aspects of that. So that's vaginismus, which is separate from the issue of menopause. Something that's very common with menopause is genital urinary syndrome of menopause, which is GSM. And that has to do with the atrophy and the dryness and the pain that you can have uh, with penetration. And so that's a different type of pain or different reasons behind the pain, which could then incorporate uh, vaginismus because once you have a pain situation, then the mind gets involved and the body is trying to protect and then everything tightens up. So there's so many different parts that can come together in in that scenario. Um, Mm. But um, when we're talking about um, menopause, then we are talking about that there is usually a need for some sort of hormone replacement if there's an issue with this. It's also a a use it or lose it type of situation. If you are not Mm -hmm. um, engaging in sex or sexual intimacy and you're not getting blood flow, this is where I say that uh, masturbation or or self-pleasure is something that's important because we want to continue to have blood flow to our vulva region. And so masturbation is very helpful in that regard to keep the blood flow going there. If we Mm. don't then it will atrophy and you will lose like your inner lips can actually get smaller and you could lose them. So um, there's different parts that we can, we can improve atrophy by putting hormones, local Mm. hormones back on board. And then um, you can go through physical therapy for dilation. If your, your vagina vault shortens or gets smaller in diameter. So there's different things that can go on um, to help the situation. But yes, we do need to, to work at it and make sure that, um, and then also uh, with general urinary syndrome of menopause, when you have the vulva region atrophying, shrinking down, then the opening to the urethra or the tube that goes from the outside to your urinary bladder, it actually looks like it's bigger in comparison to everything else and it's more exposed and you can get more infections as well and you can have other issues. So vulva health becomes very important for overall health. And so there's many different reasons why we want to make sure that we keep our vulvas safe and happy. Mm. Oh, yes. We want safe and happy vulvas. We certainly do not want to be losing any lips. (laughs) Um, So last topic, I could talk to you for hours on end. We're going to have to have you back on the show. We've barely gotten started. Um, (laughs) But my last question is about tantric and the mind. And I recently discovered this, and it is fantastic. But yes. people don't know what it is. They don't know how to do it. Uh, it takes a lot of concentration. But my, once you crack that, that is absolutely fantastic. Tell us what Tantric is, and is it now widely done? I think Sting put it on the map, right? They, he's portrayed as having this amazing sex life with Trudy by just looking at each other. Yes. <laughs> Now, you know, I'm not a trained tantric person, so I can tell you general information about it. Um, And I think of it more of as like a slowing down and a connecting of the mind, body, and spirit through breathing and touching and, and just 
not like we think of sex and sexual intimacy and sexual intercourse is like this wham, bam, quick type of thing. Mm. But tantric slows it down. It puts it more about the connection, the physical, the breathing, the touching, and, and it becomes like a, a whole experience. If that, mm. if, and mm-hmm. it allows the mind to become engaged and yeah. it slows it down to this place where so very often for women in particular, there's a lot of anxiety, performance anxiety associated mm. with sex. And mm. I think that, that tantric sex kind of relieves that because we get to go at our pace, right? It's not like at somebody else's pace and, you know, oh, there's an erection there. Let's get to it and let's take care mm. of this really fast. We just slow down the whole thing and yeah. we focus more on the touch, the connection, right? The breathing. Mm. We're mm-hmm. more aware. We're allowed to be more aware of our body and in tune with our body. And we're more aware of um, what can lead to our pleasure. And mm-hmm. so I think that's one of the beautiful things about tantric. So. Yeah. Uh, I went through an exercise once where I had to look into his eyes for four minutes without speaking, without doing anything. Wow, was that powerful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. So I highly recommend that to everyone who's listening. Get your tantric on. And Sonia, you are an absolute rock star. You, I, I cannot wait to book my session with you. And I hope everyone goes to thebodyagency.com and also clicks on you and, and books a consultation. You are just absolutely amazing. And you're so approachable, so knowledgeable, so open and honest. and. Um, us midlife women are very lucky to have you. So thank you so much for being on the show. I will definitely have you back. Any last tips that you wish to throw out there for, you know, you're going to get your sexy time on tonight. What should we do? What should we do in preparation? In preparation? Yes. So uh, we didn't even get to talk as much about libido, right? So I will be definitely want to come back so we can talk yeah. more about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we're when we're in that place where we're thinking, oh, I've got to do this tonight, take a minute and recognize what is it that makes you more interested in sex? What is it that can help you tap into that, right? What is it that would allow you to be interested in sex for you? What is it that is it like what is it that turns you on? Is it um, your partner smelling good? Is it good? Is it new sheets? Is it um, texting throughout the day? Is it listening to erotica? Whatever it is that like fo- mm. puts the focus back on you and your pleasure and being in tune with with your libido and your sexuality. Just focus on you for a moment and get away from the oh I have to do this for somebody else. That's not what sex is about. Sex is Mm. about so much more and it's a gift to yourself. So refocus that on you and your pleasure and and see where that that journey leads to. It's so much fun. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Dr. Sonia Ride, thank you so much. And we very much look forward to having you back on very soon to talk about libido. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all of my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. Be sure to sign up for our email list at thebodyagency.com for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts. Thanks for listening.